You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. This morning to the book of Luke, chapter 7, and thinking about that third verse, my sin, oh, the bliss of that glorious thought. Jesus taking our sins away. That's something to rejoice about. And man, I'm so thankful for what Jesus did for me. And uh, we're going to be looking at a little bit of that today, of just the thankfulness that we should have of what Christ has done in our lives. And uh, so thank you for bringing a great spirit and singing so well this morning. Uh, Luke chapter 7, excuse me, in your Bibles. And... uh, We're dealing with the parables of Jesus today, and we've been dealing with that for a little while. (coughs) Luke chapter number 7, and um, I do want to make mention, my mom is here, of course, I mentioned that last week, and she's leaving out on Tuesday, but uh, we've enjoyed so much having mom, and uh, so if you're going to say hi or anything, now's your chance to do so, okay, just so you know, all right? Uh, but uh, Luke chapter number 7, I think we have someone joining our church after Sunday morning today. Is that right, Miss Lisa? Is she joining today? All right, good. I've got you down. I don't want to forget that, okay? But uh, Luke chapter 7, and uh, today's parable, I'm going to call it a parable of grace. A parable of grace. Luke chapter 7. I want you to look down. We're going to look at the parable, but then we're going to come back in a moment after we pray and look at what's surrounding it get a better idea. Luke 7, 41, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. Luke 7, 41, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence, <clears throat> the other 50. And they, and when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? So that's the parable here, but we're going to see, but um, I'll pray in just a second, but I want to make mention as we're doing the parables, you may notice I'm I'm skipping the Sermon on the Mount, because in the Sermon on the Mount, there's like 15 different analogies Jesus uses in that, and it's such a beautiful, it's the best message ever preached by any person ever in the history of mankind, and uh, I'd like to do a whole series on on just that message sometime. So I'm going to skip over those analogies in there, and also I want you to notice that as we're looking into the book of Matthew and Luke, where the majority of the parables are, um, and, and we're trying to go in chronological order, you may notice that we, that we skip around a little bit. You say, well, pastor, how are you doing things in chronological order? The, uh, here's, here's something that you may not know because I did not know this until recently, but uh, the book of Matthew and the book of Luke are actually not written in chronological order. When you're reading Matthew and Luke, we read Jesus' birth at the beginning and death at the end, resurrection at the end, and we, so we assume everything in there is chronological, but there's not, because you, in fact, you can, if you do your own study in uh, Matthew and Luke, you'll see that they, they, they mix up the timeline of when certain things happen within their book, and it's not, you know, oh, they just completely messed it up. No, they were sectioning out according to uh, different topics, as you would, and you'll see sometimes phrases in the Bible like, it came to pass on a certain day. And so, you know, and otherwise it'll say, and then Jesus went here. So sometimes those parables or those stories are mixed in with other groupings. So just so you're aware of that as we're jumping back and forth. Now, this is an interesting parable because Jesus is giving this parable to one man. 
So we're going to pray and we're going to look at that this morning. Father, we thank you so much uh, for the singing this morning. Thank you for guests that are here with us today. Pray you bless them. Look forward to the Lord's Supper in just a little bit. But I pray, Lord, as we get started in the message here, that you would just again work in our hearts and help us to be touched by the parable that, that Lord Jesus, that you gave so long ago. And so speak with us today and uh, give us clarity of thought this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Look, if you would, at verse 36. We're going to read the context of this parable. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. Now, the Pharisee's name is Simon. As you're reading this, I don't want you to think it means Simon Peter. It's not Simon Peter, it's Simon the Pharisee. And actually, this is a confusing passage because in in Mark chapter 14, it tells a story of Simon the leper, who Jesus goes into his house, and a lady anoints his feet there. But it's not the same story as this, even though Jesus is in Simon's house and a lady anoints his feet. It's not the same story. So it happened, it's a different Simon and a different lady, but it's interesting to note that. So he goes in this Pharisee's house to eat, verse 37, and behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. Now, what does that mean? Because we're all sinners, right? So why is it referencing that? It, It references her as a sinner several times. So most likely, someone continuing or living in sin, uh, most commentators believe that's referring to an unchaste lifestyle and, and even perhaps prostitution, but there was a, that she was known as a sinner, uh, not following the law against what the law teaches, in some way living in sin. And uh, it says there, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, Jesus, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Now, Jesus knew his thoughts, but it's interesting to me that this man is saying, why did Jesus even, uh, why did he invite Jesus to his house? It wasn't to hear him teach, obviously. He obviously didn't think he was uh, a real prophet, but he invited them anyway. And so he's there, he's an invited guest, and Jesus answering. He's answering the thoughts of Simon. Uh, answering, said to him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. I got something to tell you. And Simon, he said, Master, say on, which I think is a great response. I think that's a wonderful response. But Jesus, really, the chief problem that he's going to deal with in this, in this parable is verse 39. He's going to deal with the attitude of Simon. That's who he's going to deal with. And so he says, I've got something to say to you. And Simon, to his benefit, says, Master, say on. Anytime God wants to speak to us, every time we've got to come to church, that'll be Master, say on. Amen? All right. Verse 41. There was a, and so he goes into the parable now. There was a certain creditor. What's a creditor? A money lender. Loan shark. No, I'm kidding. It just means money lender, which had two debtors, people that owed him. They had, he had lended and they owed him. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. What's a pence? Pence was a Roman silver coin equivalent to a day's wage for a common person. So a day's wage was a twi- pence. So one owed 50. One owed 500, and uh, it's called a denarius, I think, in, in, in Roman. But uh, the, these were not exorbitant debts. 
500. You know, there's another parable where Jesus, you know, like equates to like $50 million. This person owed this much, 10 talents or however many talents it was or whatever. These are not exorbitant amounts, but they're big amounts. One had 500 uh, 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 pence that he owed and the other 50. And it says in verse 42, and when they had nothing to pay, so they were bankrupt, he, I love this phrase, he frankly forgave them both. It's a wonderful phrase. It means he remitted the debt. He canceled the debt completely. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose, I assume, that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. You correctly got, you got the answer right, Simon. Now, then look at verses 44 through 46. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon. So now he turns and, and is addressing Simon, but talking about the woman. He says, Simon, seest thou this woman? Now, so far, Simon doesn't know that Jesus knows his thoughts. He says, I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head thou, uh, with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. So w- what's going on here? What's, the, what, what's he saying here? Jesus was an invited guest into a Jewish person's home. There were customs. I don't know uh, what's customary nowadays when you invite people into your home. Some of you, when you invite people in, it's take your shoes off at the door. Or take your filthy feet through our house, you know, take your, take your shoes off there. You know, there are different customs that maybe different uh, uh, nationalities have. And so in Jewish custom, there, there, there was customs. <clears throat> you provided water for the person to wash their feet. You offered a kiss of salutation or greeting, you know, kiss on the cheek or whatever. And then oftentimes uh, oil for anointing, olive oil, something like that. Simon didn't do any of that. <clears throat> he invited Jesus in, but he was severely lacking in courtesy. But so Simon doesn't do this, but so but he invited Jesus, and here comes this unnamed, uninvited woman, and what does she do? Simon offers no no water for Jesus' feet. So here's a woman crying tears and washing his feet with her hair. Simon uh, offers no um, a kiss of greeting to Jesus, and here's the woman kissing not the not the face, but the but the the feet of Jesus. Simon offers no, no olive oil to anoint the head, but she takes an exorbitant price. She takes a, an expensive perfumed oil and uses it on the feet of Jesus. So she is doing the courtesy that Simon should have done. Verse 47, wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Now, here's the thing. Jesus is not saying because of her works she's saved. He's pointing to her works as evidence of her faith. He's saying, you know, and, and, and you can see that in the next verse, or in verse 50, and he said, when thy faith has saved thee, have, have, hath saved thee. He's talking to a Pharisee, and he's saying, <clears throat> Simon, you can tell that she has faith because look at her works. You can tell she loves me. Look at her works. Under, Simon would understand that. But then he addresses the woman twice, gives her a double assurance. He says in verse 48, and he said to her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, thy faith hath saved thee, go in peace. So I want to look at just briefly here three things today. First of all, I want us to see the people 
of the parable. The people of the parable. There is a triad of triads in here. There are three threes in this parable. We won't go into all of them all, but there are three questions that are asked. Jesus asked two of them, and then they asked at the very end, who is this that forgiveth thy sins also? There are three people in the story, Jesus, Simon, and the woman. There are three people in the parable, the creditor and the two debtors. So uh, we see three, three, three. So who are the people of this parable? First of all, there's Simon. Who's Simon? Simon is a self-righteous Pharisee. What does self-righteous mean? It means he thinks that what he has done is good enough. What he has done is important. Who he is is important because he keeps the law. And so what he thinks that, that he has it all together and that he's done, he's good in his own eyes and, and he can earn his way to heaven by just living according to the law. Now here's the thing. He would probably admit that he was a sinner, but he would also think that he was ten times better than the woman that was in the room with him. Because he looks at her with such disdain, he probably thinks that she's 10 times worse than him. Which is interesting when you note that Jesus uses 50 and 500, 10 times the amount. And so Simon probably looked at her as, I mean, I'm 10 times better than she is. He would admit that he's a sinner, but he would not admit that he was a sinner like she was. So, the, the, and by the way, there's no evidence that Simon ever repented. There's no evidence that he ever did. But that's the danger of self-righteousness that we think we're good enough. We have a whole world that thinks that they're good enough. And that if I just, you know, tip my hat to God on Sunday, and if I just do a certain thing, then I get to go to heaven because, after all, I am a good person. There is none that doeth good. Not one. But that's the self-righteousness of Simon. There's also not just Simon, there's the woman who was a sinner. She's unnamed. We don't know who she is. Later on in, 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 the, in, the, in the passage in Mark chapter 14, uh, Mary of Bethany comes and anoints Jesus' feet. This is not Mary Magdalene, as a lot of people seem to say and think for some reason. She's an unknown person. All we know about her is that she was a sinner saved by grace. All we know about her is that she was very thankful about it too. That's all we know. <clears throat> so we've got Simon. We've got the woman. The third person is Jesus. What's Jesus doing in the parable, in the story here? Jesus is transforming lives and teaching self-righteous know-it-alls. You know what Jesus still does today? <laughs> he still transforms lives and teaches self-righteous know-it-alls like we become sometimes. He's still doing that. That's the people of the parable. Can I show you, secondly, the premise? The premise of the parable. What's it about? Look at verse 41. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. So we have three people here. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Short parable. But it's powerful. Oftentimes we think of creditors or money lenders in a very negative way. Because, you know, we have loan sharks and people like that, you know. Here's, here's what this parable means. Who is represented here? Jesus is the forgiving creditor. He's the forgiving creditor. Simon is, it, Jesus illustrating Simon as the righteous man who owes 50 pence. And Jesus is illustrating the woman as the man that owes 500 pence in here. And I just think it's interesting. The whole, the whole crux of it turns on the question Jesus asks at the end of verse 42. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Which will love him most? Well, that means that means that you and I can love Christ at different levels. Everybody loves Christ in their own way, but 
how much do you love Christ? And Jesus even says there at the end of verse 47, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. The premise here is, that it's simple. Jesus is the forgiving creditor. And Simon is the one that owes a little but he's because he's righteous in his own eyes. But the woman owes 500 uh, pence, a, a, a sinner in her own eyes. And we're going to get to this in just a second. I'll give you the last point here and, uh, and spend a little bit of time on this. So we've seen the people of the parable. We've seen the premise. But I want you to know the point of the parable. What's the point of the parable? The point of the parable is simple. How you view your state of need determines how you respond when you've been forgiven. How you determine your state of need determines how you respond when you've been forgiven. In other words, your view and your attitude about your sin is the point. Your view of and your attitude about your sin is what Jesus is addressing here. How do you view your sin? What is the attitude you have about your sin? That is the point that Jesus is getting to today. So here's the takeaway that we're going to spend just a few minutes on. Which one of these three are you most like today in regards to sin? Which three of these are you most like today in regard to your sin? I want us to look first of all at self-righteous Simon. Self-righteous Simon. And we're going to investigate, is this our attitude towards our sin? Self-righteous Simon. Here's a man, a Pharisee. He's judging another person because he thinks her sins are worse than his sins. He looks at her and he says, this woman has, is living a life of sin. And so therefore, she is in greater need. I don't have a need. She is the one in great need. You know, it reminds me of another Pharisee in the Bible. In fact, in the book of Luke, about four or five chapters in the future here, where there's a, a Pharisee that stands up and says this, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. So he's looking at this other person saying, God, I'm just so thankful I'm not as bad as him. Before we, before we heap too much, and there's a, there's a screenshot of that, by the way, guys, of the next three points here. But uh, uh, before we get to that, let's just pause a second and ask, how do we view our sin? Well, I, I'm a sinner, but man, I'm not as bad as, really? I, I'm a sinner, I know I do wrong, I know I've done wrong, but I go to church, and I know a lot of Christians that don't even do that. I'm a sinner, and, and I know I've done wrong, but, but I'm not as bad as so-and-so, because man, I heard what so-and-so did. Have you seen what they posted online? I'm not that bad. I'm not dumb enough to post that. I'll do it, but I won't post it. We can be so self-righteous. Let me ask you this question. How much do you think you've been forgiven? How much do you think you've been forgiven of? Because that's a key point to this parable, is that Jesus is saying, look, she has been being forgiven this much, and you think you've been forgiven this much. But I'm going to tell you who do you think is going to love me more, the person who thinks they've been forgiven all of this, or the person who thinks they've just been slightly forgiven. How much do you think you've been forgiven? How, what effect does your sin have on you? Was, was the forgiveness that you received from Christ, was it, was it to, to cover a crushing debt that you felt like you owed? Or was it a slight inconvenience? And it's just a small thing, God. But I pray, you know, forgive me for, you know, the, the few things I have done. 
No, that's a self-righteous attitude. Can I tell you something? No matter if you owed 50, 500, or 5,000, the point is the same as the point here. You had nothing to pay it with. We are bankrupt, and yet Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. And no matter how much you think you owed, he paid the full debt. And we had nothing to pay it with. We were in the same condition. Simon was in the same condition as that lady, but I guarantee you that lady's in heaven, and we don't know about Simon. Why? Because he did not view his sin as as bad as the other lady did. Wow. No one admits sin anymore. No one, we don't like to admit our own sin. No one feels convicted of sin anymore. Maybe because we don't preach on sin as much. But we see it around us in the world and, and we see other people sinning. And we see sin being paraded around before us. And so therefore we can look at other people and justify our actions. But it matters. It matters to God. How are we any better than Simon when we see it in others but never stop to see the cost of sin in ourselves? How are we any better than self-righteous Simon? Here's the thing about self-righteousness. Self-righteousness leads to harshness in our treatment of other people. When you are self-righteous, you deal harshly with people because you think you're better than them. You don't deal with them with tenderness. I think of Brother Cole and the, and the, and the mission, and I just keep going back to that same thing that was said of him, that, that he errs on the side of mercy. You know why? He was forgiven a lot, and he knew it. Look, you don't have to have the sordid past that other people do to realize that the debt that you owed to God was more than you could ever pay. And he paid it all. Remember years ago, uh, when I, we were first married, and, and uh, I told you this story before, but I, we were living um, paycheck to paycheck, penny to penny. You know, you've been there probably. And, uh, and I st we stopped at a gas station. We lived, we lived a long ways away, so we spent a lot of gas going back and forth when we first moved here. And uh, we stopped at the gas station on Cherry um, right before the freeway. I think it's a Chevron. And uh, I pulled up in there, and I literally was going to put like $10 of gas in, something like that, just to get us home. And uh, when we pulled up, I, was, you know, I wasn't in a great mood. It was after an activity or something. It was late at night. You know, late at night in Long Beach, you're already like, you know, like keeping an eye out, you know what I mean? And, uh, and so I was up there, and I saw a guy coming over. And I had never been flooded, inundated with as many people asking for money as when we moved to Long Beach. This is 16 years ago, probably. And so I wasn't, I wasn't quite used to that. And, uh, and especially when you don't feel like you've got a lot of money anyway. And so this person came up, and they had a, they had a gas can in their hand. Now, a lot of people... You know, we'll be like, can you just give me some money? They're going to go in and buy something they shouldn't buy or whatever. But this guy came up and said, hey, excuse me, I don't mean to bother you. And I'm already like, what's up, man? What are you doing? You know, and uh, he's like, uh, you know, I, can I just have a, would you mind just putting a little gas in my can? I'm just trying to get enough to get back home, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And I want to tell you, like, I would love to just tell you that I was just like, let me pray with you, brother. You know, God, here's all the money in my pocket. I was not like that. It was a, I don't mean to make excuses, but here are several. It was a long day. I didn't have money. I didn't want to be nice to this guy. And so I, I wasn't outwardly like, well, how dare you or anything. But I was just like, oh, come on. I, visibly, you know, just like, all right, just give it to me. I'm just going to put a couple bucks in. He's like, man, that's all. That's more than I could ask. Thank you so much. And I was, took this little gas can, shove it in there. I'm watching, you know, the numbers click by. Click, 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 click. All right, that's it. You know, like five bucks worth or something. And I was like, there you go. And I was thinking, oh, I'm sure God's in heaven. 
you. Wow! Look at that giving spirit. And I got back in the car, and my wife was just kind of like, mm, mm, mm. you know, and I was like, ah. You know, I drove home, and I was not happy about it, but I was like, that was, that was not right. I responded wrong. Why? I don't know. I don't know how I felt about the person. I know, I know how I felt about me. I felt like, hey, I'm working hard here. I'm trying to earn. Why, why don't you? Where's, where's your job? And, and it was the wrong spirit. It was the wrong spirit. Thankfully, I've learned since then. I feel that way. I just don't say anything. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. But, but, uh, but, but it's different now, for sure. You know, and, and I try to be, I try to look to the needs of people. And I've tried to learn from that. But I tell you, that harshness can come out instead of tenderness. Well, and oftentimes we can think, well, you know, why don't you do this? And why don't you get your act together? Why don't you? No, that's because we're being a bit self-righteous. I've got my act together. You get yours. Hey, I, I, but we don't know what that person's been through. Who are we like today when dealing with sin? Our sin's not as bad as their sin because I'm self-righteous, Simon. Or, secondly, are we like the forgiven sinner? The forgiven sinner. Here's a woman <clears throat> so thankful, so amazed by the grace of Jesus that she's crying, taking her hair, washing the feet of Jesus, kissing his feet, and anointing him with the most expensive perfume probably she had. And that's, that's a grateful, thankful person. One commentator said the woman was not forgiven because she, because she loved she loved because she was forgiven. And oftentimes, I think we don't love God enough because we don't realize how much we've been forgiven. We don't think about how much, really, Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary. And if you don't love God today like you ought to, what does that say about what you think you've been forgiven of? Because oftentimes we think, well, I've just been, I, you know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't this and I wasn't that and I wasn't this. We are all sinners. And if you're saved, it was by the grace of God and you never could have gotten it on your own, no matter how much it was. And no matter if you're Simon or the woman who sinned in here, you both owed a debt you couldn't pay and you owe it all to Jesus. That he paid it for you. He didn't have to. You owed, but he paid. Um, for my daughter's birthday this last year. She has a pet cat. Have I told you guys about the cat? Yeah, you know about the cat. Our pet cat is named Louie. And uh, probably back in last January or February, somewhere along there, maybe March, I noticed on my phone that I had a lot of pictures of the cat. You know, because the cat's always doing something crazy. And uh, so I'll take pictures. And so I started thinking back then, you know what would be so cool? I am going to make a book of all these pictures of Louie for, you know, I'm going to start now and just for months I'm going to find the, the best pictures I can of this cat and for Zoe's birthday I'm going to put it into, you know, her birthday's in uh, October, I almost, forgot, almost said November, it's October and, uh, and I said I'm going to put it in a, in a book for her and it is going to blow her mind. So for months on my phone, if you had looked at pictures, you know what you would have seen? Cat pictures. Do you think I like cat pictures? Who said yes? Brother Robin, get out. You're... <laughs> okay, I kind of do, to be honest with you, but uh, only our cat, all right? You send me a cat picture, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it away, but delete it quickly, okay? But um, 
I did for, for months. I took pictures of this cat, and uh, you know he's a big old cat, and uh, he's got tons of hair. And uh, he'd stretch out. He'd he'd find anything he could get into. You know, the smallest little cubby hole. He'd, he'd crawl in there and just poke his head out. And I've got pictures of him in suitcases. I've got pictures of him in all these random locations. And man, I was I, so uh, a couple weeks, about two weeks before her birthday, I sorted them into a file. I had ninety something pictures of this cat. Ninety something pictures of this cat. I know. I know. Uh, Dad of the year goes to Eli Reynolds. Where, where's my trophy? So anyway, I organized them into a folder. I organized them on the website. I put them into the little pictures. I, I, I customized the graphics on it, you know, that says Louie's name and, and different things. You know, they have these things at Walmart and other places, Costco and all that. And so I customize it. I get, I get it printed. I go and I pick it up. Y'all, I was so proud of myself. I was like, man. She, she's gonna, probably going to cry. Like, I'm going to have a box of Kleenex ready because this girl is going to break down. Can I just tell you, the response that I got to that was not what I was looking for. I had spent six or seven months on this project. Zoe's looking at it for the first time uh, on her birthday. And she's looking at it and she's like, oh, a picture book of, of Louie. And I'm like, it's a picture book of Louie. I spent eight months. I spent eight months on this, darling. Eight months of my life photographing your cat. I was a little bit devastated. I'll be honest. I was a little bit devastated. She was thankful. But you know how it is, sometimes you do something for someone and you just want like them pulling out their hair, I can't believe this, you know. You want that like full response of just like crying and you're the best dad. I don't know what I was anticipating. But what I got did not match what I was anticipating. Because she did not value that thing like I did. Because I was like, I worked for this, you know. I, I spent a lot of time on this. And now, she did love it. She has shown it to everybody, and I have seen, but even my son Titus was just making fun of me, like, you know, she's going to put it on the bottom of her stack, you know, and, and all, he just kept digging at me, and I'm just like, stop it, you know, I'm, I'm sensitive about this now, and uh, so we were just laughing, having a good time, but she has loved it, and she has shown everyone, but at first it was like, oh, this is so cool, Dad, and she was thankful, like she was, but I was expecting more, because I knew what that book meant, and I think to myself, Oftentimes, we, we hear about Calvary, we hear about the cross, we're going to do the Lord's Supper, but do we actually know what Calvary cost? Do we know the value of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary? You know what it was worth? Do you know what Jesus went through for you? Do you know what, 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 what our sin cost him? He knows the value, and he offers it freely, and then he sees his people, thank you, wonderful, that's great. All right, well, now, what, what, what else would I do in? And we have this flippant attitude. We can have this Simon, the, the self-righteous attitude. Well, you're forgiven me, but it wasn't very much. Wow. Who are you most like today in dealing with sin in your life? Are you self-righteous Simon? Are you the forgiven sinner? Or last, are you the forgiving Savior? Are you like Jesus in regards to this area of sin when it comes to being the forgiving Savior? Now, Jesus is the hero of every story. He is. Uh, we, we could all be more like him. But the thought that I'm trying to get across is this. Are you as forgiving of debts as Jesus is? Are you as forgiving 
of quote-unquote debts, as Jesus says. Maybe somebody crossed you, and they owe you in your mind. Why don't you freely forgive? Jesus did. Well, they didn't ask for forgiveness. Jesus forgave when people didn't ask for forgiveness. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Oftentimes, I wonder if people even know they've hurt us. They may not even know. And here we are holding on to these grudges. So I wonder when it comes to sin, the relationship with sin, are you self-righteous Simon? Ah, my sin's not that bad, but theirs is. Are you the forgiven sinner? I can't believe your mercy, God, that you would ever stoop to save a sinner like me. You've forgiven me more. I owe you my life. I owe you everything. I will live for you. I'll do whatever you want, God, because I owe you everything because you changed my life. And are you like Jesus who says, you know what? You've sinned. You sinned against me. But I'm going to forgive you anyway, even if you don't ask. I'm going to freely forgive. That's the three people today. Notice that one person wanted forgiveness. The other didn't think they needed it. Some people may apologize to you for what they've done, and others may not. But forgiveness is still the thing you ought to do. C.S. Lewis said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. And I wonder today when we're thinking of this, are we Simon, the sinner, or like the Savior? Are you in need of forgiveness? Do you see your sin as God sees it? Are you rejoicing in the fact that God would ever, that Christ would ever die for your sin and pay for your sin? Are you loving God like you ought to? And if you don't love much, it may be because you don't think you've been forgiven of much. And so the parable today is simple. What's your attitude towards sin? In your life, in the life of other people. I hope we're learning something today. Father, I pray you bless us as we look at this parable. These stories that change lives.